That was literally verbal diarrhea. I'm setting the bar awfully low. Titus O'Neil keeps running directly into that bar. Get him off my TV, get him off my TV. You make me very angry. The man who has a better IQ than you, the awe-inspiring JC. You should go work for WWE because you'd be so up far up Vince's No, butt. no, no, no. Oh, you are no, such no, a no, sucker. No, no. You, you defend everything, all the bad moves they make. This is the Chopper Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another edition of the Jobberknocker Podcast. I am JC, along with my guy at Nestlemania. That's right, quarantine can't stop us, baby. Oh yeah, and uh, you'll see my look uh, that I'm rocking today, but I'm wearing my yellow uh, Revival shirt in memorandum uh, of those guys uh, branching out, and I'm actually, uh, Nestlemania, I'm kind of a headband guy now. Oh no. Yeah. Is it because your Dean Ambrose look is getting a little bit haggard? It's just it's it's get, it's getting to the point now. I actually ordered some off Amazon too, just because it's just it's just it's getting too long, and my hair is becoming a problem. Um, I trimmed the beard finally, so it's not curling anymore. But man, the, the hair I just I know I'm not the only one, but it's getting out of control, man. Your roommate can't cut your hair, JC. I haven't got to that point yet, but we might be getting to it soon because if I start to develop a rat tail back there, that's going to be a problem. Well, we, I've already developed a rat tail, and I've got a whole family of rats living in the back of my head, so <laughs> it's not that bad. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, my my sister's awful. trying to get me to do a man bun, but uh, I'm uh, fighting against that vehemently. My wife my wife actually put my hair in a uh, what I like to call a Yokozuna bun last night, and uh, I'm definitely close to our boy Seth Rollins' look, and I don't like it at all. Well, so. how about this for the people? Uh, how about you get a little, like, you put up your hair again like you did, Take a selfie of it and send it to me, and I will post a selfie of myself. We'll do a side-by-side of the Jobberknocker crew in quarantine for the people. How about that? We should. How about that? And people should vote on which is better and which is worse. <laughs> I like it. So perfect. So by the time you're listening right. to this, folks, that'll already be up on the Internet. So be on the lookout for that. But you know what? we got to get into the shine. Mwah! Always in the shine, Mandy Rose. She'll get her shot next week. Uh, but, you know, she's always in the shine. But you know what? Um, I didn't, wasn't really in love with either of the shows this week. But the way I was looking at this, and I was thinking, hmm, where do I want to lead this week? There are a couple things I did like, but I'm going to leave with something that you're not going to expect. And it's just because I want to appreciate what we're getting with her. And that is Liv Morgan, once again on a winning streak against Ruby Riot. She beat Ruby Riot with the Oblivion, which is a great name for a finish. I like the finish. Her son is a jam, like I've mentioned. TJ's on board with that. And you know what, Nestlemania? She's getting a nice little push here, and I really like to see it. I thought it was going to be a push out the window, honestly, and I'm very excited that she uh, she definitely got the step up. I'm happy that her friend is helping her get there. I think her friend is being very selfless and helping her get where she needs to be. It's odd to me when she comes out because it's um, she has that nice, you know, that bounce to that song, and then she does that weird, like, hands under chin and then does that, like, little bounce thing. I'm not necessarily in love with the, pre- the presentation of that when she comes down the aisle, but the minute the bell rings... It's nice to see somebody different in there, and it, it was very aggressive, and I think that that's something that I think you'll see when I'm talking about positives of this week, that there are a lot of aggressiveness happening with the people that are on television. Yeah, and um, I obviously, that was my highlight, but another thing that I thought, you know, was actually kind of aggressive, I guess, too, and this is probably the only thing I'll mention here, but Zelina's pants this week, super hot fire! 
I think they're burying the lead. I think her heels were the. Uh, I don't know they, how they were the story. Look, man, like I don't understand how people can walk with that. Like if I tried to wear those, I would face plant immediately. Like that was impressive, especially walking down a ramp uh, and all that. But I mean, just the whole outfit was a, a home run. But uh, yeah, no, the, the pants and the heels, way to go. I mean, I, you know, if anybody out there could do it, it's her. But I just, I in my head, I was thinking she's holding on to. Uh, Andrade so much just to run down the ramp like please don't let me fall please don't let me fall and it's just like that that video or that that gif that's on Twitter with that poor woman that's doing the supermodel walk and she just uh, like that's all I could think about is this woman's gonna break an ankle but it's hard I will say this much it sucks because we're talking about that and we're not talking really about her men as yeah, much yeah we'll but, get there I think I will say it, though it's just odd the one thing I did enjoy about this is there was kind of something going on when uh, Angel Garza first popped up with him and Charlie Caruso, and they kind of like, you know, it's kind of been there, but they've kind of like not really been making a note of it. But this week there was – the one thing I did enjoy from all this was, you know, Zelina getting mad at Charlie for being like, you don't ask Andrade questions. You go through me, like blah, blah, blah. But then afterwards, one of her other clients, Angel Garza, comes over, and he's gave Charlie a rose, and they were once again teasing that. I have no idea where they're going with that, but it is incredibly intriguing to me. It's going to be a quarantine date. Here's the thing that I, I, I don't necessarily love about this is that, and I, I know it's a Vince McMahonism, so I'm just, I think that's probably why I don't like it. But it's just like every time Phillips says it, it drives me up the fucking wall. It's like hearing, it's like hearing during these, you know, they'll say like, oh, you know, like during these unprecedented times in America, like every time I hear it, I want to take a shot. I don't even drink. But when they say the lethal Lothario, I want to vomit all over myself. It's just like they might as well be an oxymoron. It's like he's lethal, which means he's deadly, but he's a Lothario. So he's going to steal your girl or he's going to, you know, whatever. And it's just, I don't, it's just the two of, you can see Vince McMahon behind the desk with his grandpa, you know, glasses hanging off of his nose going, I guess that's how I feel about it. And it's just, Every time I hear it, it makes me want to vomit. Just I, a little bit. I thought you were going to go a different direction with this, because the weird thing about this whole Garza thing is, obviously, if you watch NXT, they did the big thing where didn't they have, like, oh, his yeah, he got, wife he, there? He, he did get engaged. Yeah, yeah and they engaged. did this whole thing about getting engaged, and now it's just, you want us to forget, which, whatever, it's wrestling. Obviously, we know all these things, but it's just, like, that was part of an angle on TV. That's why it kind of mm-hmm. is difficult, because obviously, they did the whole thing with, like, they immediately, like, they forgot it even down there with, like, Leo and everything, but I thought that is where you were going to go with that. So here's here's something here's here's a bonus thing that like this is where my head goes when I watch somebody like uh, him. If he doesn't have a gimmick where he has a, a love interest at some point who doesn't want him to take his pants off, they're gonna miss the boat. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna look at her. He's gonna be like, "Can I take my pants off in the middle of the ring?" And then she's gonna go, "Uh uh-uh, uh uh uh," and he's gonna be very upset to the point where he has to get rid of his woman and just rip his pants off. And if he does it in front of a crowd, it'll go nuts. Because it'll get over. That's the kind of stuff you have to look forward to with somebody like that. All right. That's the stuff that, that they need. Well, we got to put a pin in that because there are no crowds right now. But that is something I think that I like it. I like it. I like where you're going with that. But another thing I like this week is we're going to hop on over to SmackDown. Is you know what? We started talking about the woman. Let's keep talking about the woman. Lacey qualified by beating Sasha. Hashtag JC knows. I told you last week that Bailey would likely cost Sasha and Lacey would get this spot. And the dissension continues to be teased. But the reason why this is shine for me is, A, I'm a big fan of Lacey. I enjoyed that little short match we got between them. This is obviously a feud that has been building literally for months and months, it seems like. And they've never... Never really paid it off, but you had Sasha coming out with the little like uh, puppet thing of her daughter. I thought that was a nice touch, but the Sasha Bailey thing, like 
It's that will-you-won't-they thing that they've been doing forever, then they stopped and they started, they stopped it. It finally seems like we're heading towards a conclusion of it. And for me, it's one of the more interesting storylines going for me. Yeah, I mean, I didn't mind it whatsoever. I think it's just one of those weeks where it's just like things kind of have to happen in order for the next checkpoint to happen. So I wasn't necessarily in love with the whole matchup itself. I just think that Sasha versus Lacey was decent. They went after the hand, which, again, what I always am a sucker for a story in, in terms of working a body part and you know, working it into a match and stuff like that because that's the way I was brought up. So it makes a lot of sense to me. So I'm fine with that. It was a decent story, but I think that, you know, it, it's always one of those things where it's just like it's Bailey and Sasha. It's it's whoever's in the background and it wasn't necessarily like, for instance, it just seemed like a hodgepodge here. It was like we're more concerned with Bailey and Sasha than we are that Lacey won the match. And then, of course, Tamina comes out, super kicks somebody. And of course, thank God there's no crowd because the same reaction would have happened if there was a crowd. And it's just it, it, it's just like, OK, I get it. It's like. It's just hard for me to believe anything anymore in SmackDown with Bailey because it just seems like, with the exception of Sasha, everybody else she's already beaten. So why do I care? So yeah, and I, it just I seems like I don't, know. I don't disagree with what you're saying, but at the same time, this is the type of stuff that I like in a feud where it's like you have layers. Like we know the true feud at the end of the road is Bailey Sasha, but they're using all these other feuds along the way. Like Sasha Lacey has been a long-standing thing. It's still kind of going. It's probably going to pay off at some point. Tamina's obviously the throw-in. It's not ideal. We don't love it, but it's like they're feuding with other people while still being together, while feuding together. This is the kind of old-school wrestling storyline that we like, and obviously we're way smarter nowadays than when we watched when we were kids, so we're aware of where this is heading, but it's just, uh, to me, that's why I like it, because it shows, like, an effort into a story here. There's building blocks. There's things that are making sense, as opposed to, like, you know, it's like Bailey still is defending the title. Sasha is still trying to do things. Like, Lacey still is qualifying for a match and getting her opportunity, so it's just, even if I don't like all the players, like, with Tamina in there, it's just, these are the types of things I'm looking for, is these multi-layered, long-term stories that SmackDown honestly has done a good job doing, but despite their show not being the greatest uh, the last couple months. Okay. I will agree to disagree. All right. Uh, I don't have much else in the shine, but I do have two more notes, both from SmackDown. I have obviously King Corbin qualified for Money in the Bank by beating your boy, Drew Gulak. Uh, obviously, I hope for him to uh, not only be in the Money in the Bank, but win it last week, and I laid that out. Uh, we'll probably have more Money in the Bank hopes to come later in the program. There's a tease, but uh, King Corbin, WrestleMania has his chance once again to be Mr. Money in the Bank. So I'm not necessarily going to talk about it right this instant because I think it's going to be part of my hope. But Ooh. I think that when I've, looked, when, I've, when I've looked at something through the entire field, I'm just thinking to myself, there seems to be a theme. And I think that it's going to start with the Corbin, with the, with the King. So I like it. Uh, do you have any other shine? Because I only have one more thing, but I'll uh, give you a chance here if you have anything that isn't the thing that I Well, uh, it, I don't don't piss off Apollo Crews because he's going to slap you like a pimp. <laughs> That's something that was interesting. Uh, he, it was, you know, I don't, I'm not, you, you know, I'm not, we'll talk about it later, but, you know, it's, this whole thing was building Apollo for some reason, and, and it was, a, you know, a decent uh, portion of what they were doing, and I'm okay with it. It's just. You know, it was 35 minutes, including the match that they had earlier, plus the promo with the VIP lounge, as I'm sure we'll talk about. And then, you know, he had a decent match against Andrade. So it was just like, it was definitely character development. It was definitely like, you could see the aggression, you could see the disappointment. So like, in terms of a, a positive shine here, as much as I, I disowned him as a Nestle guy, and I think you're starting to see the the, uh, the fruits of his labor now that he's no longer a Nestle guy, uh, Prosper. I think that's it. I just, uh, you know, Vince McMahon likes to break people down before they become something. I'm thinking that Nestle's uh, very much the same as Vince McMahon, folks. I think he tells everybody how great they are, and then when he just finally gives up on them, they maybe realize their potential. So maybe I'm just, they have to be a Nestle guy before they can be the guy. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, but there's been plenty of guys who have been the guy without being Nestle guys. I just I think I think that uh, you're getting a roundabout win here, and you're trying to take a victory lap, which uh, you know I'll give it to you because, like I said, I was never against Apollo Cruz. You just I, our one of our original arguments was you thought he was better than Baron Corbin, and I laughed in your face. Uh, obviously, well now who's laughing, right? Uh, so, I mean, still you know. me because uh, Baron Corbin has about eighty thousand monikers and is the best heel in wrestling. And Apollo Cruz is finally starting to get his because again, I really like Apollo Cruz. I think he's incredibly talented. It's just he doesn't have that extra level in terms of character and Mike that have got him there yet. But hopefully, we're on our way uh, to getting him there. Yeah, I mean you're not wrong. It's just I. I get what they're trying to do, but I, I'm also like, when I saw the knee thing happen, I was thinking to myself, okay, well, there's clearly one way they're going with this. It could be going a different way. But in my head, all I could think about off the top of my head was, man, MVP. As I'm a, coming. As a, as a um, I guess not a manager, but like, let's just say a business associate of Apollo Crews might be more helpful. Exactly. But oh, I don't I know. Agree. like, but, but the thing is, is I feel like MVP would outshine Apollo Crews because MVP goes into business for himself every single time he talks. I so, think that would also just, be good for Apollo, though, because they're just – you just – they're fine. I think they're, they did, honestly did a good job with it because they could do one of two ways here. Either he overcomes and he's able to enter the money in the bank or he's replaced. Um, I'll get into that more in my hope. But it just they're, – they're trying to make you, like, really root for him as a true, true baby face. And that's why I thought that this was effective. And putting him with a guy like MVP I think could help, but it's also like – Maybe they go the other way and flip him heel, and then uh, MVP would like make a lot more sense as a manager if Apollo was a heel. As a babyface, it might be tougher to pull off. Sure, and I think the hardest part for me is that this is manufactured babyfacing. This oh, isn't yeah, the Daniel the, the Daniel Bryan organic or the Kofi Kingston organic babyfacing. So for me, it's just hard to watch this and be like, I think we've gotten to a point where we all are very cynical people, and we all are very much about ourselves when we're watching wrestling specifically. We mm-hmm. have our guys, or we have our women that we really cheer for regardless, and it's based on their, their background and what they have. He has an amazing background story, Apollo Crews, but they, they, they just do not acknowledge it whatsoever. And it's just hard for me to, to sit there and be like, oh, we're going to manufacture a bum knee, versus you could sit there and talk about how great he is as a person and what he's had to overcome and what his parents had to do to sacrifice his life and everything like that. Like, that to me, those one of those stories where it's just like it's the same thing with Lacey. Clearly, you guys like to you know when it when it counts, you guys like to take those real life stories and shove them down people's throats. I don't understand why you don't do that with Apollo Cruz because that's far more interesting than the actual bullshit we're getting fed right now. Well, my guess is they're probably going to save it with him until he actually does something. So maybe that's on the horizon. I like I said, I think they did the Lacey stuff too soon but again they can always revisit it and look at all the stuff they do on the network now with the little mini docs and everything they have like they even have a mini doc on there about my girl tegan Knox. i watched it actually a couple weeks ago loved it it's only like 26 minutes so i recommend it but um i think that they will get there some way with him if this continues but i don't know i i'm intrigued by it they've at least this is the most interested i've ever been in apollo as for Apollo Crews as a character, and you said manufacturing a babyface, and if there was ever a time that you needed to manufacture stuff, it's right now, because right now in WrestleMania, there is no crowd to tell you which way to go, so you have to manufacture everything, so why not take a guy like Apollo Crews who's never really gotten a reaction from the crowd, try to build him now, so when the crowds return, maybe he has a reaction, who knows, we'll see. Do you, a gun to your head right now, yes or no, wins money in the bank based off of what they're doing with him? Apollo Crews, no but I'll get into that in my hope. Win something else? Probably. Okay. Uh, the last thing I, I think is uh, worth mentioning, and I'm sure you and I are going to disagree on this, so it's probably a good little turn to go into the heat, is I didn't mind the contract signing at the end because I thought oh, it did a little bit more. Oh, God. So, what? 
yeah, I, look, I like Drew. I like what he's doing. I think I've, I've come around of 180 on uh, the Mac, and uh, I did. I did appreciate the fact that they, he got to drop a, a shit bomb. That was nice. I gave him a little bit of street cred. Um, but then the part where he said, you know, ass with a Scottish accent, just kind of, I think, word choice is important. And uh, they decided, you know, to do that. And I think it was definitely weird for him to do it. And then, of course, you know, he, he beat up Seth on the, that, I didn't expect him to slam his head down on the table, which was nice. And Buddy's buddy's back with Seth, which I believe will be probably something they do in the Money in the Bank, too. So, like, as we were talking about what the hell is Buddy, like, is he part of it? Is he not? So now they, re, you know, establish that. I don't necessarily hate it. Again, I'm not. I'm not, I'm kind of grasping at straws and this being a shine, but it's just, it's hard for me to be like, I, I hate it because I don't necessarily disagree with what they're doing so far. I think we're going to have, you know, a piece of chuffa next week where it's just like fluff, fluff and utter, you know, gaga with them because it's, it's already been set up as we've talked about contract signings basically are the exclamation point. You can't do anything after it. It doesn't mean anything after it once you sign the contract, unless they do some random weigh in or, you know, Seth goes to church. I don't know whatever they're going to do, but it is what it is. Get him off my TV. Get him off my TV, Nestlemania. So, as you know, I've been a Drew guy throughout this whole thing. I thought this was probably overall his worst segment he's had since in months. I didn't – I thought that, yes, the end result and when we got to the shit bomb and that – like, that stuff was good. But it took us about 10 to 15 minutes to get there, and I was already out. I literally zoned out on this segment. It was so poor. Like, Drew's emotion, I thought, was lacking at the beginning of this promo. And then out comes Seth the Succubus to drain the life out of any segment. Good lord. Like, I'm actually enjoying, like, his presentation with this whole thing with him walking out. But the second that motherfucker opens his stupid fucking mouth, he just sucks and drains the life out of everything. Like, and that's why. He will now, for me, I will now call him the Succubus. Seth is a succubus. I just, it, it, it literally killed it for me. He, it just, that, that whole segment, it was just, I was done. Even when the good stuff started to happen, I was just like, I'm already done. You took too long to get there, man. Less is more. Like, it's just, I have zero interest in this feud. It made me less interested in this feud. I did like that, because like you said, buddy, it's great. He's back with Seth, where he should have been the whole time. But like, okay, so next week we'll probably have McIntyre go one-on-one with Buddy. There'll be some schmods before their match, and then Buddy will interfere at the pay-per-view, and then we'll get a fucking rerun at the next pay-per-view, because they'll drag it out. I already know where this is going. They haven't done anything to intrigue me more. Great, McIntyre said shit. A lot of people have said shit. I've heard Brie Bella say shit. Doesn't mean it makes the feud better. No, I'm not saying that shit is the reason that it's better. I just think it's, it's you know, at a point where, like, Drew, Na- Drew McIntyre needs, like, a, a signature win, a, a, you know, after Brock Lesnar. And I thought we were going to get tomato cans, but now we got Seth, and then, we you know, it's clearly a panic button mode, but it is what it is. And, and uh, look, you don't like Seth because of many reasons, and I'm not that Because he's boring. But I think that, here's the thing, uh, you feel a visceral reaction about the gentleman one way or another, and I think our boy Danny Grinwood would agree with me on this one saying... He's getting a reaction out of you, so he's doing his job well. Yeah, he's know? supposed and to be a heel. I'm not supposed to like him, but at the same time, he's not supposed to put me to sleep. And it wasn't just him. Like I said, this week it was a team effort. I'm not blaming it all on Seth. T- it was also, I thought me, Drew lacked it till the end, too. He was he had a really poor me, beginning and middle of this promo. Let me ask you this. Is it is it the fact that you worked a whole day and it was the last segment of the night that maybe you're a little bit tired and cranky no. and that this is making no, it a little because bit honestly, worse? Just I, saying. I literally I watched Raw in about an hour because I joked in the thread to the guys. It was like 9.55. I'm like, how soon can I catch up? And uh, Ray Ray said eight minutes. It actually took me, I think, about 33 because I do pretty much anything that isn't like just like filler. 
I do watch everything through, and I try to. I like. I watched the entire Live Ruby match because I was interested in that. I watched the entire Cedro Shea match because I was interested in that, even though it wasn't long. Um, but I did catch up by like ten thirty, so I was watching this live, and I was like, okay, contract signing. Contract signings are either really good or really bad. There's no in between. But either way, I'm going to be interested. Unfortunately, this one was like below average in between. It wasn't the worst it could have been, and it by far wasn't even average. So it it kind of hit that spot of where like, man. <sighs> I wish I would have watched this on delay so I could have just fast-forwarded it because it was a complete waste of my time. You sound very cranky. Did you get enough sleep? No, I'm actually I'm drinking my coffee right now. I feel great. It's the first coffee I've had in like two weeks, so I have a little bit of extra energy. I'm just fired up, and the fact that you tried to put this motherfucking segment in the shine is this was the worst thing of the week. The worst thing of the week, and you tried to put it in the shine. Worst thing Shame of the week? Me. No, 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 no. Worst thing of the week would be different. And by the way, I just want to give a special shout-out. I actually tried coffee yesterday. Oh, yeah? So. How did that work out for you? Not very good, but it's a it's a it's a progress kind of thing. So, you know, you gotta you gotta you gotta build up an immunity to it. I was gonna say, did you get kind of like the shakes? Sometimes like, like uh, jittery, like jittery. I, I I did get a little. I didn't do the whole thing. I got whatever my wife got from Dunks. I just said, give me a smaller version of it, and I. It tastes like piss, guys. I don't know how anybody does so coffee. So what, 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 did you just get a black one? Because you got to do what I do, man. You got to get the obnoxious girly flavors. Like I get caramel swirl, no, she, and all I taste is caramel. She got, I think that's what she got. She got me a nice coffee caramel swirl, and I just couldn't do it. It, smells, it just tastes like this. Yeah, coffee's disgusting. I could have told you that, but that's why you put flavorings in it, and then maybe you know you start to like it. But I will say the one oh, thing God. with coffee is it does make you jittery. Sometimes if I have too much of it before I try to edit, it's hard for me to edit because my hands are shaking. So I could see you being, you know, we both kind of get get ourselves wound up. I could see you being the same way. Uh, I, I only drank half of it. If I did the whole thing, I probably would have been bouncing off the wall. But nobody wants the Nestle bouncing off the wall. So let's move on to things that are also suck, considering you think that sucks. There's a plethora of stuff to, to rip apart. And I'm going to stay on Raw because, quite frankly, I just – I think MVP on, on my television screen is a vomitarium. Oh, like it is stop just, it. It's, it's not that bad. Yes, it is. Let's VIP this, – this guy must have blackmail on Paul Heyman or Vince McMahon. I mean, he comes out doing a VIP lounge where he doesn't let anybody else talk, which, I, again – I get it. It's generic. It, it is what it is. It's you, fine. Well, hold and on, it, hold on. Let me pause there. Do you want to hear any of those three guys talk? I think the more Alistair Black talks, the more of a pussy he looks like. Rey Mysterio is overall a boring promo unless if he gets like real life uh, involved. And we know Apollo Crews can't talk, so I thought that was the most effective part they could have done. It just got really bad as the segment continued with other stuff. Do you want to hear MVP talk? I don't. I don't. I've I don't. And I think guy. they're using too much of him right now because I've never been a huge MVP guy either. Um, but I think in doses and the right scenarios, yes, I think it could be effective. I just think they're using him too much. I agree with that. I mean, they they they, they suck him out there for that VIP lounge thing, and then of course here's here's the one that's going to put butts in the seats. He sets up a rematch next <laughs> week with uh, your boys and fucking Thorn and Vink. <laughs> I actually I laughed my ass off because it was funny. I was I, I I think I caught up right around this point, and I see him pop on screen. I'm like, oh my god, he would be the perfect mouthpiece for Cedric and Ricochet. Then all of a sudden, generic jobber one and uh, TM six one reject Shane Thorne pop up, and I'm like, oh my god, no fucking way. And he sells how he has an eye for talent. I don't remember who it was. Uh, I saw someone say on Twitter, like, MVP has a below average eye for talent. And I just lost it. Because I'm like, it's so true. If these are the guys he picked out, the guys that we've seen lose four weeks in a row and he's, like, selling them up, it was kind of like a funny way to set up a rematch. Yeah, it was odd. It was just like, with the NFL draft happening, I'm going to take – and it was like, what in what fucking world do you live in where you can sit there and try to – 
correlate something like the NFL draft and, and to these bozos that are just and I, I used to I thought Shane Thorne and this is where the Nestle the Nestle uh, line he's a is. good wrestler like I, I give him that he's a he's a good wrestler and as a tag team I thought TM61 was going to be really good yep. and they are it's just something about Shane Thorne had like an hit factor in NXT and then he just kind of got hurt and his partner left and the whole thing like I was just like this sucks but then he's now he's paired with the Vink and it's just like I couldn't like I'm not making fun of the Vink because I can't remember his fucking first name, but it's just the Vink. <laughs> Brandon. He, Brand, whatever, sure. Just call him Vink. It's, 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 more, it's more polarizing. It's something I'll remember. Right now, between Denzel Dejanet and the Vink, are the, they're the jobbers of the year so far, in my opinion, <laughs> because they, they are literally every fucking where. It's crazy. He, Denzel, is he the one who lost to uh, Bobby Lashley? Yes. So he, he lost was the tire? And I think a minute and a half. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, not not to be outdone, not to be outdone. There was Daniel, sorry, it was Daniel Vidot on SmackDown. So there's a job alert there that was that the Sheamus one. Killed him. So I will oh my say, God, he fucking she- mailed it. Sheamus randomly like popped up like a segment later and got mad at Michael Cole about. I'm assuming still Jeff Hardy because everyone wants this yeah. Sheamus Jeff Hardy feud. I got to tell you, it, it is it is low key. It is the most like benign thing in the world to see Seamus get upset at Michael Cole but I, every time I see it I enjoy it I, I think enjoy it's it funny. too honestly I do like it I just I'm curious I would like to see him uh, uh, Michael Cole get Throw those hands him. or get that foot uh, I think it would be interesting but <laughs> I will Boy. say it's like you know we always make fun of our boy Ben because uh, he loves Seamus and that's his guy it's actually uh, our boy Safali his son Cam his favorite wrestler is Seamus bronze number two Gross. but there is something about Seamus and it's always been that way where when he is like on like doing well like and he's very intriguing because obviously he has the look he, I think he has a great move set there's something about him when he's just like a, a a badass dick like he comes off really well to me so I'm hoping we get back to that version of Sheamus because I think he could do a lot for some of these baby faces that are kind of struggling to go against him a little bit because he is pretty decent in the ring too. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely doing something, but I, I hate this whole, like, having to wait through Jeff Hardy's life story to get something going here. It's just, it's, it, I mean, they're going to they're gonna sign Sheamus to Jeff Hardy for Money in the Bank, and then that's the end of it. And it's just like, how do we lead up Sheamus and Jeff Hardy without Jeff Hardy being here? We're going we're gonna to give you a retrospective that you should probably watch on the WWE Network about how Jeff Hardy screwed his life up, which, again, kudos to him for getting his life around or whatever. But Sheamus is right. Like, I don't care about Jeff Hardy. Like, let's move on. Let, let's, uh, I want Sheamus to beat – Sheamus is going to lose to Jeff Hardy one way or another. But I just want very much so for Seamus to just – Ben's going to be jumping out of his seat. This is the first time I've ever cheered, cheered for Seamus in my life. I want Seamus <laughs> to give that big fucking that, – that clear skin, milky white boot right through fucking Jeff Hardy's gross earlobes and just fucking kill him. That's what I want. Wow, that's aggressive. Yeah, much like, much like Seamus on Michael Cole. Wow. So, okay. There's plenty of stuff here that I didn't like. I mean, we can just keep going. I'm sure you've got plenty. All right. Well, uh, let's talk about uh, it was uh, Triple H week in WWE. Um, what did you think of that uh, segment on SmackDown? So I'm going to take the high road on this one. I don't necessarily <laughs> like what happened on SmackDown per, per se because it was like 20 minutes of fucking yuck yuck. But it's just it's just uh, I thought they were going to do some crazy celebration. I appreciated the fact that he made fun of himself by showing his mania losses and all the bloopers and stuff like that. I thought that out of. I could have done without Road Dog. I could have done without Ric Flair. Yep. But I appreciated. I could have appreciated. I think people give Steph a lot of shit. Steph was the best part of that entire segment. Agreed. Not, not Shawn Michaels. Not Vince McMahon. Steph was impeccable on timing. 
impeccable. I no, I couldn't agree more. Um, I didn't like you said. I enjoyed some of the same stuff you did, like the hokey stuff. Had appreciation for it. I didn't love anything about this segment, but I will say I didn't completely hate everything about this segment. It's just like I didn't. I mean, I get like they're just filling time, but I just I didn't. It just was mostly worthless to me. I, I yeah, there's nothing. There's it's filler entertainment, but it's just it. What it boils down to is there's no there's no way for someone to interrupt it to make a name for themselves. There's nothing that you can do here to to plethora and not plethora to to push somebody. Excuse me, through um to the next level or just do anything here to make anything out of anybody. And it's just like that's the part I'm having a hard time watching this right now is that there's so much crap on these television shows, and I know they're doing the best they can. So I have to kind of like. I hate watching something and having to, in my own mind, give them the benefit of the doubt. You know what I mean? I think by having like Triple H XXV, like they kept doing all these graphics and shit like that. Like you figure they'd do something cool and they just had Shawn Michaels come out and make fun of them. And then, you know, it's just, I don't know, like it's better than them celebrating Triple H because then we would all sit here and talk about how he's a shoveler and how he's a terrible person. He's never amounted to much. He's kind of been overrated, yada, yada, yada. Which I think is a little extreme on your part, but okay, I get your point. No, I mean, I mean, you know, I'm not going to go down that road. I'm just going to say, I think the guy's clearly overrated, but you know, he's definitely in terms of like where he is in his mind. I think his wrestling mind is second to none. I think he's amazing, but in terms of a ring, I'm not necessarily moving the needle for me. I think he's an amazing producer behind the stage. He's got a great visionary kind of atmosphere that he has when he, walks through the room he knows what he wants and i think that's that's what makes him amazing is is what he's going to do after his career that i'm more excited about than what your H has done in the ring that's I all i don't disagree with that i think that definitely is stronger um but i think you go a little too far but i again i i agree with your premise um speaking yeah, 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 of yeah. premise um i don't know if this is a premise i just felt like transitioning like that the opening Raw segment actually led to your favorite thing, which is a six-man tag, which goes against social distancing rules and against the jobber-knocker rule here that we hate six-man tags. I couldn't agree more with that. I think that, that uh, six-man tags are definitely against social distancing, and I definitely, in, the, in a quarantine state, I think that people should take that considerably uh, uh, seriously because it's, uh, you know— not that, you know, these six guys aren't healthy. But well, it's also, it's not just the six people, guys. You know? There's a ref. There's Zelina, Zelina out there as a manager. There's the rain bell rainer. Like, there's there's an announcer. Like, there's there's a lot of moving parts here, and that definitely breaks the rule of eight. Honestly, I think that it's odd that they don't change the mats. They probably don't even change the mats. So, no, I, I, actually, I do know for a fact they do. They change the mats. So, especially because um not everything has been live even when they have been live and this was taped like they're taping these stuff separate so they can change that stuff over that stuff they're they're taking all the proper precautions from what i've heard okay well they don't hopefully they wipe the, the ropes down you just you're never gonna be able to tell on tv because a lot of this stuff is edited together the ones that were yeah. live you will notice there was kind of more of a break between actual matches uh, but right now they've taped this week and i believe next week so this stuff has all been it's been like lawn taping days from what i hear because of all these things they've had to do Mm-hmm. So, um, how how do you feel? Let's go over to SmackDown. How do you feel about the Forgotten Sons, Lucha House Party, and your boys rapping Miz and Morrison? So, I will say that opening segment was actually the last thing that I kind of had in the in the shine. I um I because it, it was it entertained me. Like it wasn't was it the best thing in the world. No, but I just like the New Day come out to their usual stick to celebrate. Blah blah blah. The Lucha Losers came out, which made me laugh. But the best part of this segment was Miz and Morrison coming out. They literally walk by them, pretend like they don't exist. But then Miz and Morrison did what they do best. They cut a super hot fire 
promo. I love that you get passionate Miz. Morrison's the perfect guy. Just kind of add his little two cents in with Miz. I think together they work well. And then out come the Forgotten Sons, and Miz was laughing at them again. Vintage good Miz. I thought it was a good overall opening segment. I thought the Forgotten Sons... uh, They looked the strongest they probably ever looked in this segment. I liked Miz and Morrison playing the cowardly heels and just kind of staying away. I liked them going backstage and not trying to pick a fight with the biggest bullies in the room, but picking a fight on the little, like, defenseless lucha losers. So when I saw that, I'm like, well, they're definitely going to lose that match later. Do I love it? No, because I don't love seeing guys I like lose to Lucha House losers. But in terms of storyline, it made perfect sense. So honestly, all this, I liked it. Do you think that Miz and Morrison are going to break up very soon? Yeah, I like. Um, I think I kind of mentioned this last week with the hacker. Is I think that was the next team on the list that is going to be broken up is Miz and Morrison. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to take a little longer because I do think they're going to get a rematch with New Day at some point. I don't know if it's whatever, but I think it's just it's going to lead to eventual dissension where. I don't, I'm assuming they're going to make Morrison the babyface, um, but it's something like with them having to defend the titles and Miz losing all the time. I think they're, they are on the fast track to be broken up, which was probably the plan all along. I think that the easiest thing to do with Morrison going into Mania season was pair him with Miz before they did with whatever else they want to do with him, make him the shaman of the midcard. Um, so I think that's coming. But again, I'm enjoying them together right now too. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm not going to get into it about Morrison. Obviously, I've I've, I've planted my flag on that one. But, um, you know, I think that when he becomes a babyface, I think he'll be a little less exciting for me. Oh, I mean, clearly the moveset Absolutely. is. But I think the the thing is, is like their impeccable timing on that promo where they did the head tilt for 21st century. Just while they were walking, didn't didn't break a sweat on that. They just kept going with it. Like just they're they're in sync together. So I kind of I kinda, this is the part that's going to be weird. I think that they both need each other to be relevant for the foreseeable future. So I'm really hoping that I'm really hoping that Miz and Morrison stick together for, I would say until we get this quarantine figured out, or at least something, uh, you know, lifted just because I feel like John Morrison needs the crowd to react to what he's doing. Otherwise he's just some guy in an empty arena doing gymnastics. You know, like that's really what it comes (laughs) down to. There's no like, like, sorry, parkour. Like, you know, I can, I can, you know, I'm sure you could go to some foam pit and fucking Fafuga and just, you know, bounce around. You'd be just as popular as, you know, Jomo, but it's just, I, that guy needs the, the wow factor of the crowd to, to, you know, feed off that adrenaline if he's going to be a baby face. And right now I think that like, nobody will care about a Ms. Morrison feud because nobody's invested in John Morrison. Like nobody, like he's there. They, they hate him. Right. So, I mean, like you're going to have to spend more time, doing more lead up with John Morrison. I don't think he's interesting enough right now to be a babyface, And I think it's going to be a while. No, I, I don't disagree with that. Like I said all along, I've really enjoyed them together. I actually, I downloaded their song on uh, Amazon Music. It's available and I listen to it all the time because, hey, hey, ho, ho, Miz and Morrison. Like I, I'm enjoying them incredibly and that's why I didn't want their title reign to end. I just, I think it's, again, another long-term storytelling on SmackDown. I think SmackDown has really committed itself to these long-term stories and that's why, like, even if the week-to-week isn't as good on SmackDown, I think they have a much more clearer path of what I had to look forward to week-to-week than Raw does because Raw is just mostly a lot of filler, and there's some guys I like, but if you look in terms of storyline, SmackDown absolutely blows them out of the water. I don't disagree. When we're talking about unclear, we could probably segue into a bunch of things that I thought was unclear, like Nia versus Oscar versus Baywood <laughs> that didn't even happen. I just randomly was like, it didn't even start. They just ran into ladders for no reason. It's just, yep. It is what it is. And that was awkward. And, and, and it just felt like a kind of a whoop, 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 whoop kind of segment where it was just like, okay, we're doing this now. You know, and, 
and uh, now I needed to look strong, but nobody could lose. It was just like, okay, well, why are we here? Like, if that was me, I would have been like, okay, I'm just literally here picking up a ladder, and that's it. Like, that's my that's my paycheck, which again isn't a bad thing to have, but um, it doesn't further anything. And again, we're 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 just that's the, that's the things with these like you know, hallmark pay per views where it's just like there's no way to grab momentum for all of these people. It's like one person, and right now all all the momentum for in my opinion, goes to Nia because she's screaming at Charlie, you know, and it's just like, and screaming, you know, nothing, no, I tried to stop me, ah, you know, like, whatever, that was just painful on my ears, but, you know, the promo wasn't good, and I'm sure we, we didn't really talk about Liv's promo, which was odd, too, but, like, yeah, it wasn't great. Then there was, like, there was, like, a succession of promos here where I was just like, huh, it got progressively more head-scratchy, it was, like, Liv's chapter, I'll find myself promo, Nia screaming weird things at, at Chuck, and then the Viking leaders forgetting that they were in a fucking car eating a turkey leg saying they want the smoke. And it was just like, it got progressively worse in my opinion. And it just sort of felt like an onion. It was just more layers that stink. And that's raw in a nutshell. Like it's just, it, it, the further, the longer it goes, the more it stinks. And there were, there were highlights in different parts of the show, but it sucks. It really like it. I want it to be good. Cause I, I keep watching it for obviously, you know, the entertainment factor, but I like I like I said to my buddy Trav, the uh, the the other third knocker guy from the beginning. I said to him, I, I keep watching this because I love a good train wreck, and right now this seems like a really big train wreck. Yeah, it's they seem to like week to week. Like last week, I think we were um, we favored Raw a little bit, and I thought it was like positive steps, but it just reverted this week. But I do want to get back to your money in the bank point because you talk about they can't build everyone, and I agree. But the one thing we've seen over the years with money in the bank is the person being built usually isn't the person who wins. The person who wins is usually as a surprise, but then you come out of the match and those people who were built are still built. They just don't have the briefcase. So that's what I always think is the most intriguing thing about Money in the Bank because everything you would think about the woman's Money in the Bank this year would be Nia Jax or Shayna Baszler. It makes a ton of sense, especially with Bailey or, uh, Becky as champion, excuse me. But that's why I think we could potentially be getting a swerve. Maybe not in the women's, but in the men's, it's just like it's more of a free-for-all. But think about like the years that people have won. The year Daniel Bryan won, nobody expected that the year Miz won nobody expected that like it's just like it's countless uh like times where it's just the person the last person you expect wins and you could even put this in ladder matches in general like look at Zack Ryder at Wrestlemania for the intercontinental title like that's what I love about these matches is because no matter how smart you think you are who you think is going to be there they could go in a completely different direction and it's cool so I that's why I think at least like this pay-per-view it's incredibly intriguing to me but yeah, the um, they're having trouble building it properly. I think is uh, what we're getting at. Mm, I think they're just building nothing. That where that's where we are in Money in the Bank. They just they already got your money, sucker. That's really what it comes down to. They've, you 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 get boned up for it. You get like as I you know our boy uh, you know the the Grin. I think it's Grinwall says that he loves when I say boned up, or maybe it's the the good doctor. But you get boned up for, for certain aspects <laughs> of of uh of wrestling and you know money in the bank you get boned up for because you're like here's a human car wreck and it's going to be fun and there's a briefcase and it, there's long storm t- storytelling will they won't they cash in kind of stuff but it's just like it's just the same thing over and over again they, they've they've already put out the hook line and sinker they've got you they don't they don't need to do anything right and i think that's that's the the, the surefire way to lose people is you're not getting somebody excited to the lead up of something you just expect them to show up because of what it is yeah and i think that's hard i I think unfortunately for your argument is that 
even if people don't watch Raw and SmackDown next week, like they're more than likely going to tune in the Money in the Bank because, like you said, ladders. Like we've seen, like mainstream people say they tune in for the Royal Rumble and Money in the Bank and maybe WrestleMania mm-hmm. because that's what it is. So, yeah, no, they definitely can. But I just think that it obviously they're dealing with a ton of tough stuff, difficult things right now. But I just think like if that is your mentality and these matches sell themselves, then do a good job with other feuds, and I feel like that they're missing, besides the couple that we've mentioned on SmackDown, especially on Raw, they're just missing the mark in developing those feuds. Mm-hmm. You got do any, anything uh, else that makes you I do not, but uh, if you would like to get into quick heats with any of the leftovers, go ahead. All right, so let's see if I forgot anything on the top here. Oh, we didn't really talk about the fact that we did talk about Corbin winning, but it was weird that Cesaro and Nakamura are part of his. It seems like maybe they are. They aren't part of the stable now. I, don't I know think the they just they're that. so they don't like Gulak and Brian. I think that's all it was, and Corbin was just the beneficiary. But who knows? Maybe they continue to help him until Sammy returns. Braun and Bray have a decent package, but again, nothing new. It was just all Chuffa, all Filla, all nothing. Yeah, and then the, of course, my, uh, can we just stop there for a sec? My issue yep. with this feud, again, is that, yes, they have a lot of history, and they're relying on that, which I love. I think that's cool. But, I mean, this feud just – it being so hot shot to this pay-per-view is this was something where I really wanted a good story, and we're just not getting it. Instead, we're getting a video package, and all of a sudden we get to next week. They'll probably do some weird in-ring promo segment, and then we have the match. Just – that's why it's tough. It's tough. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's not fun. I think that Braun Strowman needed a strong, out of the gate person to be with. Not that Bray's not strong. It's just like he Bray needs can't someone lose. He can beat. Yeah, yeah. So it's hard because you know you sit there and you go, "Who's ready on this mountaintop?" Like I would have preferred, you know, maybe Corbin. We talked about, or you know, I'm looking at everybody here that's on SmackDown. But I mean, like, give the Miz a shot. You know, give Sheamus a shot. Um, you know, may, I, even more than I, I would have been a cool one. Yeah, Sheamus. You know, uh, you know. You know, just having – I'm looking at the people that actually get on these programs from now on. But, like, I, get, I, I know that he doesn't have a lot of people to work with right now in SmackDown, so he's stuck with Bray, and that's whatever. But, you know, you can make somebody. They, they've clearly shown that they if, if they actually put their effort into it, they can make somebody. But well, they, they don't, and they, they won't. They teased Nakamura, but it was only for one night. That is something where, especially having Cesaro, like – why not have Cesaro wrestle Braun that night? Because, A, that would have been a fun match like it has been in the past. And have Nakamura be the run-through here at the pay-per-view. I think it would have benefited mm-hmm. everyone, but they just didn't go that direction. Okay, that's pretty much everything on, uh, I think. Women's tag team titles, down. I think, is the oh. only thing I can think of. I mean, uh, who cares, right? <laughs> exactly. Like, Dana, Dana and Mella, like, I, I guess there's some Mella drama there. As you, that I just did there. I just coined a Mella drama. There you go. Uh but, you know, save the drama for your mama. Bruce Cross just, like, beats him in, like, three minutes flat, it seemed like. It just seemed like we're – I'm surprised Mel – like, I'd be shocked if Mella loses. Yeah, cause know, because they're definitely I, teasing I, something there. And I think Mella and Dana have to, see, you know, beat each other up in Money in the Bank. So, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't think Mandy – well, you should probably be put in the shine next week. We'll definitely not be winning Well, because you week, have the whole Sony angle where it'll share likely cost her. So, I think that – that makes perfect sense to get Mella an easy Money in the Bank qualifier is because Sonya can easily distract Mandy and they go on their way. That's not a bad way to go about it. It seems very logical, which is nice for a change, but we'll see. We'll see. Oh, here's something else I wanted to talk about very quickly. So we talk about how much I hate six-man tags, but uh, in the promo, they talked about how the Lothario and Andrade and Mr. Theory are better than the other three schmucks, and they tried to go with them into putting on their spots on the line. And then it didn't happen. Yeah. And then, like, they wrestled them anyway. Like, they didn't have anything else to prove. And it, it, it would have been better for them to put the spots on the line because then there would have been something to actually fight for. Like, it just, 
there's like, why do you bring it up if you don't use it? Like to me, I was just like, it doesn't, it doesn't do anybody any good. It doesn't have a baby face going, no, I'm not going to put my spot on the line, idiot. Cause I, I'm not going to do it. I already won. I already beat this person or that person. So it's just, it's hard for me to deal with those little idiosyncrasies when they do things like that. Like why bring it up? Why do anything with it? You know, but. No, yeah, I, actually, that's a great point. I didn't even think about that. That's that's a perfect Nestleism if there ever was one. Because, like, why call attention to something and not use it when if you would have used it, it would have been effective. Especially considering it was a clean ending. Like Apollo got the title match because he won. So, yeah, that is woo. But uh, I think it's time to get hopeful, don't you think? Yes, sir. Glorious. You are my only hope. And we're going to start right there. Apollo Crews was seen on crutches at the end of Raw, where he could now possibly be in doubt for the Money in the Bank ladder match. Um, and, you know, my hope has uh, based around him actually being out, because they could obviously go with the story where he's in and he overcomes it and he actually wins the briefcase despite being injured. But I think more of it is that the person who's he's dealing with right now is Andrade, who's the United States champion. And Andrade never had a qualifying match for Money in the Bank. So he never got an opportunity. So when you're looking at it, you would think, huh, Andrade would be the perfect quote-unquote replacement for Apollo because then it could go one of two ways. Either he takes his spot and Apollo gets at him during the match or somehow Andrade wins money in the bank and maybe you could have a feud for the briefcase after. So that would be the obvious one. And you know what? My hope is kind of half-assed into that because I hope Andrade finds a way to steal that spot and be in it and be advertised to be the replacement for Apollo. But then we get to the match. And you know what? And this kind of sucks for Apollo because it's going to kind of kill his flame, but it doesn't go well with my hope. There's a different person I want in that spot in Money in the Bank. And a different person, I think, would be a great choice to be Mr. Money in the Bank because, you know, he's been part of the authority, but he's also been one of the biggest anti-authority figures ever. So in a climbing a corporate ladder match... It would be a lot of fun to have the involvement of Kevin Owens. So maybe he takes out Andrade. Like in how we have a shot outside the building. They're arriving. Andrade looking all fancy. Pulls up with Charlotte in the limo. But Kevin Owens comes out, beats the piss out of Andrade, runs into the building, therefore enters himself into the match as the third representative from Raw, fights his way to the top, and actually wins Money in the Bank. Kevin Owens as Mr. Money in the Bank is something I could get behind. It would make sense because he clearly was on Ascension, got his big WrestleMania moment by taking down Succubus Seth. We haven't seen him since, likely because of travel. But that's my hope, is that Kevin Owens is a surprise entrant and wins Mr. Money in the Bank. Hashtag JC knows. Hashtag JC's hopes come true. Okay. What do you think? That's Kevin Owens, baby. I mean, I don't hate it because I think it gives some star power to this. Because as I'm thinking about my hope, I was sitting there going, Daniel Bryan. Eh, Daniel Bryan happen. and Baron Corbin stars. That's it. If Daniel Bryan, not going to win. Rey Mysterio, I'd be shocked if he won. Aleister Black could be the dark horse, no pun intended. King Corbin, to me, is the one that probably should win because he's the only one that I can see it being using to establish something later on. Yes. Uh, Otis and Dolph, I have a, I have a theory that I think Otis is going to be in the match. Ooh. I think Otis is somehow going to be able to beat, uh, you know, our boy Dolph Ziggler. I use that term, our boy, very loosely, apparently. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but there's something about Otis that I think his star is bright right now, so they're going to play with the hot hand. And I think Otis is going to be in there, if not only to catch some of these guys, but I think also to have some comedy spots and maybe, you know, be the guy running through, you know, maybe there's a luncheon or some type of random cafeteria that they get to, you know, like I just, I, when you're doing the corporate ladder thing, I think that there's more like you, you think about the characters here, right? Like nobody can be silly, right? 
And the only person that can be silly in this matchup is going to be Otis. So I think having Otis, having somebody to play with, I think you're going to see a lot of the part that I have an issue with too, is that there's Daniel Bryan, Ray Mysterio, Alistair Black right now, you know, uh, Apollo Crews, most likely Otis and King Corbin. There's not a lot of heels. So I, I, I do worry that Dolph Ziggler is going to be shoot, you know, thrown in here because there's not a lot of heels. And I don't think Dolph Ziggler really makes any differences here because, you know, it is what it is. Unless, unless there's an outside shot here. So here's, here's where I've talked myself into oblivion. I want Otis to win because of the hilarity of everything that could be happening inside of that. But I think that when we talked about heels lining up for Braun, I would not be surprised if they had Dolph Ziggler in Money in the Bank win the thing and have Braun and Dolph Ziggler because they want Dolph Ziggler to make Braun look good. Man, that would – Dolph Ziggler, the most exciting cash-in of all time, this time would probably be one of the worst. Yeah, and I think that's the hard part. Like, it, my hope really truly is when I'm watching this, I want King Corbin or Aleister Black. I think that that's, that's my hope. I think Aleister Black, if he wins – could really benefit from having that whole thing on raw and carrying it with him or maybe having like a coffin kind of looking briefcase or some type of like weird spiky looking thing that he carries with him. Like that would be awesome. Like it's, it's something that people could buy into because Ray Mysterio, that doesn't really do anything nope. for me. Rick Brian has already won Corbin. He would do something for me, but Otis Dolph Ziggler, I think I can see it happening, but Apollo Cruz to me is one of those guys where I'm looking at it going like, if he stays in it, are they going to manufacture this baby face thing all the way through? Who knows? I mean, he should, he should probably learn to walk before he can crawl as they say in oceans 11, which I mean, they're supposed to reverse it, but they seem like they're doing that with him. They're just like forgetting the fact to give him like baby steps before they just rocket strap. The but bastard. one thing so I will open. say Nestlemania with that is money in the bank has always been much more effective as a heel. Even when baby faces win, i.e. like, I think Orton was a babyface when he actually won the briefcase, obviously turned heel after. Even Daniel Bryan became a heel once he cashed in. Is that It's it's heels that win this thing because heels do the most with the briefcase, which, yes, granted, you could turn Apollo Crews heel, but I just think that's why, to me, like last week I made it my hope, obviously, with King Corbin. I think the only babyface-type player that could pull it off would be a Kevin Owens-type. Of course, Daniel Bryan mm-hmm. could too. I just He doesn't need it. You know, we talk about that all the time, whereas, you know, does Corbin need it? Probably not, but could he make something amazing out of it? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And Daniel Bryan's on the back nine of his career, so nobody really, like, he just wants to give back and have fun. You can tell. So Yeah, absolutely. It's, just, it's odd. It's odd. I mean, in terms of the ladies' matches, though, I think that, like, like you said, I can see very much so, for some reason, they're going to give it to Shayna Baszler. Like, I just, there's something about it that seems so I stupid. think that makes sense, but it just, it's... I wouldn't, I wouldn't I, mind a surprise of, like, who do we got in SmackDown? It's Lacey, Dana, and then either Mella or Mandy. Obviously, uh, always in the shine. It would be great to have Mandy win it. But I think Lacey Evans would be intriguing as well. And the only reason I would want this, and this is why they aren't going to do it, is because I think mm-hmm. it would lead the option for her to eventually turn heel at some point and cash in. But I just I don't think they're going to turn her anytime soon, especially with the established heels you have on SmackDown. And then Dana Brooke, if she won it, that would just be, like – Woof. A wet fart in church, yeah. yeah. And I said, look, I, I think I think when I can, I, when I try to envision somebody with a briefcase, I don't envision a lot of people with them. I envision like, Baszler I can, and Naya. I can, I can envision Asuka, honestly, having that stupid briefcase and, and just, like, taunting people with it, like, bouncing up and down with it. She'd like, be great, yeah. I, I, I think that'd be fine. I think, that especially with Kyrie Singh probably not resigning, you know, I think that that could be something to do with Asuka, especially where, like, you know, like, you look at this, right? Like, the three people on Raw they've made it seem like, okay, all these people are viable for Becky, but you know, on SmackDown, 
Dana Brooke, nobody cares. Lacey Evans already has lost, and Carmella and, and Mandy, no offense, aren't even a threat to Bailey because they both kind of have – I mean, Carmella's already lost, so it's just – to me, it seems like it's a no-brainer on Raw, right? Like, it has to be... It does, because yeah, even, be even if you put Mandy in there, like, even though she hasn't lost, like, her and Sonya clearly have a long-term story, like, that's here. So it doesn't make yeah. sense to really involve the briefcase unless if... I feel like if you're going to do something like that involving the briefcase, it would have to be kind of like a Rhodes Scholars thing where the culmination of them turning on each other was in the match. So it doesn't make sense to really have one of them have the briefcase unless if they're just going to hold it forever. But then again, it's going to be a prop for a while. So I think, yeah, when the woman screams, it has to be raw. That's why I wouldn't mind them finding a way to make it interesting and get it onto someone on SmackDown. Cause I think it would be a nice surprise, but I just don't know if they have the horses. Yeah. And very quickly, I just want to say it has nothing to do with anything. It just randomly came out when we were talking about Lacey in my head, I would not be surprised on the, on the road as a last year's effort. They're going to end up putting Lacey with the Forgotten Sons because they're all Marines. Oh, stop it. No, God, no. I mean, yeah. she, she, oh, would, yeah. she would suddenly make them incredibly interesting, but she's not a son, and we'd never forget her because she's the best. She's, she's the daughter. They're she's, nasties, she's, 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 and she's, 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 she is not. Okay. Nasty. Nasty. Well, I think it's time to give them a comeback. Sir. Don't call it a comeback. They've been here for years. The modern-day Maharaja is back on Raw. I love this because, you know, we've been waiting for Jinder Mahal to return. Um, Jinder Mahal, he's one of those guys that after like two weeks, I'm going to be sick of him. But every time he randomly pops up after being gone for a while, I just get irrationally excited. I don't know what it is. Like his theme song's great, by the way. He just like has that like shit eating grin heel look. There's something about Jinder Mahal that always just like, I don't know. I just, I, I don't, I saying I care, I think is strong, but at the same time, it's just like, I get weirdly excited every time he comes back, even though I know it's not leading anywhere. There's just something about Jinder Mahal, and especially when they call him a former WWE champion, it makes me smile. So uh, he gets my comeback. Let me ask you this. I think I put it out on Twitter. Do you think his uh, shaved head makes him look less threatening? Probably. um, He should probably just keep the turban on or something, but at the same time, it just... I don't know. He He really does have a menacing face, like especially when he gets that evil smile. But yeah, the haircut—it probably wasn't the best choice. I think I think with the shaved head, he looks like a henchman, not a leader. And I think I, with the curly yep. hair, he looked like a leader because he had that drip. He had that like had that Jerry curl drip. Like it looked fucking awesome. You know what I mean? Like he looked he looked like he had a swagger to it. When someone shaves their head, it's just like, eh, might as, might as well be like, hey, I'm in quarantine. Let's shave my head. You know, it just it was just like he looked like a million dollars up until his eyebrows. You know, it just it didn't make any sense. <laughs> he did. He looked like a million dollars up until his eyebrows. That's good. Like, yeah. Who's your comeback? So, my comeback goes to, out of left field, I popped so hard this morning when I, I saw my boys, uh, you know, Everrise on Raw. I uh, I love the fact that they were there. I'm a huge fan of 3.0. I thought they were great in Chicago, and they've been great everywhere that I've seen them. They're super – they haven't had the chance to show how charismatic they are, but the fact is is that both of them – I Josh, I'm, I'm – excuse me, who the fuck is Josh? JC – I'm telling you right now, if you get to see their personality, they will quickly become one of your favorite tag teams of all time. That, that's how confident I am. I've seen them live, and I've seen how charismatic both of them are. I know that if they get a chance, you will sit there and look at me and go, you were right. They're, they are not national guys by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just telling you, everybody can enjoy these guys if they have the opportunity to get a promo. That's all I'm saying. Well, I hope you're right because I think Raw could use some more tag teams besides the great team of Cedro Shea, which actually beat them. Um, but yeah, I uh, 
these guys, we've seen them pop up a couple times. I've heard you mentioning their name well before they popped up. So uh, there's someone I think we should all certainly keep an eye on. I'm telling you right now, uh, Ced Rocher is uh, looking more and more like a, uh, <laughs> a team, I guess. Hey, they're the, honestly, the when I look at it in terms of tag team wrestling on Raw, obviously you have the Street Profits and Viking Raiders, but it's one of the things on Raw when they pop up and they come out for a match, I'm not fast forward. I'm interested because I think, obviously, I like them both individually. And I think as a team, uh-huh. they're a lot of fun just to watch wrestle. And I know no matter who you put them with, they're going to put on a good match. And I think right now, more than anything, they need people that can go for a long time and tag team wrestling is a great way to do it and just be entertaining. And once between bell to bell, these are two of the best. So, you know, who, you know, who's going to entertain the shit out of you? The Vink. Uh, we'll see. We'll see next week. Big rematch. And uh, you know what? Here's a, here's a hot take. You ready for this? Cause that's one of the two, uh, as we get into the big finish here, one, two, three, two things advertised for Rob, both tag team matches. This is one of them. I think the Vink and Thorne are going to pull the upset. Because of MVP's amazing ability to something, take Something, yeah. It's something where I think we're getting an upset special here. I, I, would, I would prefer the Viking Raiders beat the Smoke Boys. So that's obviously the other matches for the Raw Tag Team titles. I assume that the Street Profits are going to retain, but I think it's gonna, there's going to be some sort of schmoz here. I think what it's going to be is that the Street Profits are going to beat. This match will probably honestly be an hour of Raw, which I'm all for. When I heard they were doing this match, I'm like, give oh, them don't one say of, an hour. Give them an entire Good hour. Lord. With commercials, it'll be fine because the commercials will cut out the bad stuff. Um, but I just think that it was just like that is one thing where it's like if you're going to waste my time with a six-man tag for 45 minutes, I'd rather have this because when these two teams meet, it's great. But I think after the Street Profits retain on likely a roll-up or something fluky like that, I think the Viking Raiders are going to turn heel, and that excites me. I just want bludgeon brothers. Yeah, like that's what I, I want. Think I think that's want, like... what they're going to get more towards with them. I really do. And I, the car thing, I think they just, it was one of those things where Vince is like, let's put out a feeler. He probably, him and everyone else probably saw the backlash. And I think plan B, especially when you have two strong babyface tag teams now on raw is make these guys mega heels because they can be the big bruises and beat the fuck out of everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially with AOP <laughs> being out now, we definitely need exactly. some, we definitely need some AOP or some type of LOD, I guess feeling when we watch something also next week we have daniel bryan versus corbin which will be a good match but again i don't think it's for anything it's just yeah and money then of in course the bank and money in the bank qualifiers so i mean we've already talked about this at nauseam i don't see mandy winning and i don't see well who so do you who think, are your do you think official it's gonna be picks? who are your official picks i'm gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna pick mella because it just seems more logical i'm gonna pick mella and dolph i think dolph is gonna get one over on otis setting up a part three down the line just because i think Dolph is the guy, because when you mentioned all those guys in the match, like, yes, we know Mysterio is going to do some crazy spots. If Apollo stays in, he's going to do some crazy spots. But Dolph is the guy who will take the murder spot. Like, if they if they ever think about fake throwing someone off the top of that building, it's Dolph Ziggler. So I just think that they're going to put – I think all the reasons you made for Otis make a lot of sense too. But I just think they can really put Dolph in the match as the crash test dummy and do something ridiculous. Because when I heard they're climbing the building, I'm picturing someone getting kicked down an elevator shaft. I'm picturing someone getting thrown off the top of the building like fake, like whatever. It just I, I think we're going to get something crazy, and I think Dolph's the guy to take it. That's my take. My brain says Dolph. My heart says Otis just because I want to see him go through the cafeteria. I, I don't – like I said, I don't disagree. I think, honestly, if we get both these guys in there, I think it would be even better. Mm. Well, we'll see what happens, I guess. Yep. But I think that's all that's advertised. Do you have any other anything else here before I socialize the pot? I think it's time to socialize that motherfucker. All right. We are available on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, Stitcher. 
Google Play, YouTube. So like, subscribe, download, give us five stars, five star reviews, especially in these uh, COVID-19 times. We would appreciate a five star review. Um, we understand everyone has having different things to deal with, but that is one thing that will help us greatly. Um, so we would appreciate that. Jobberknocker.com. That's where you can find all of those links as well as our weekly articles of NXT, AEW, NXT UK, and NWA Power. As long as some specials. Um, I believe Joe did a piece last week about – um, I can't remember what he titled it, but it was five guys who AEW should take from the WWE releases. Um, mm-hmm. uh, TJ and Danny did a YouTube uh, video last week, which we teased, um, and it is out there, so you can definitely find it, of breaking down a lot of the releases and going through like some seminal moments in their careers and what could be next. Um, TJ, I believe, I forgot to mention this a couple weeks ago, but he has been writing a lot for us, which has been awesome. Um, so we're very appreciative. He did like a thank you, WWE for WrestleMania, which you can definitely check out in the archives. But we'll obviously have Money in the Bank predictions uh, leading up, but tons of stuff for your quarantine pleasure on jobberknocker.com. Wow, that was that was quite the press right there. Yeah, I'm just one of those things. I had my coffee again, man. I am on fire. So Twitter at Jobberknocker, at Nestlemania, at JC of the JK, at DQ of the JK, at Ray Ray of the JK, at BillyD2411, at Joe Pollock47, at TJ of the JK, at The Real Deal B Cox, Facebook Jobberknocker, Instagram Jobberknocker, because we are everywhere. You want to be on social media. And also make sure you check out on social media the side-by-side picture of me and Nestlemania of hashtag who wore it better, um, the quarantine fit, as we will call it, uh, I have already taken my selfie, Nestlemania, because I'm vain like that. So send me yours, right? We finish recording, and the people will get to check it out. I have to ask my wife to put my hair up. So it's not, it's not, a, the man bun isn't as wait, exciting. Wait, 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 Put your hair up and square up? Ha-ha. Oh, yeah. Oh. Well, I guess on that note, after that terrible pun, we'll be back next week with more Chobber Knockery. <laughs>